I'm not afraid. You will be Suck it up. Pull up your big boy panties now. Because you lost. is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. Oh, the new opening song. No, so, again, again. Hey now, now that Paulie the Mole is here in the Good. studio, Make your we can address this issue. The other opening was much better than this one. What happened? Oh, forget. I was uh, stopped by... One of the other two people besides myself in this room and told that you did not like the open and I needed to make a new one. Yeah. <laughs> it went from exciting, you you had my brother Alec in there. You had, I was told you yeah. didn't like those bites. Like you didn't like No, 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 no. What I said was I thought that maybe we should tweak the Jonas Brothers reference that, that was kind of lame and go with something that there's certainly lots of other things out there where we could get, you know, uh, we I, we can get the quote. We lost the quote from Jim Kelly. You're listening to the Daniel Baldwin show. We've got a quote from Andre Reed. I could go out there and get well, big celebrity names to come in and say, "Hey, you're listening to you know," or do a series of those. I would something. love that. Instead, we're doing the opening to uh, John Carpenter's next horror movie. Are you listening to? You know, what is that? What is that? What happened? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. You're not, wait a minute. I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, I really don't care. I really don't care. I'm tired. I have the runs. I drove from Virginia. This has zero effect on the actual show. The like, product. The product. You do a, such a great job. Oh, after yeah. Stroke me. Stroke me. Stroke me. Stroke me. Stroke. Okay. Billy yeah. Squire. Uh, let's, uh, I'll bake whatever you want. We need, um, we need, yeah, we're, we're, listen, we're going to take that out of your hands now, obviously. No, I we're can gonna... make a great open for you. I just didn't know what the hell you wanted. I well, just kind of. You know what I think? I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm only going by 30 years of experience in the business. If you say ask me, I'm going to scream. The, the, the 30, 30, 30, years, 30 years of experience in the business and, and cutting movies together and editing and doing voiceovers from some of the most famous campaigns in the history of television. And so with that said, <clears throat> thank you, um, <laughs> maybe you and I would sit and talk about the opening and, and, and put something together. Now, I, you I, keep looking over at Josh. I will, like, Josh I'm, played a role in this. He, I want to no, know. No, 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 <laughs> I, I have, looking, I have this asked you. Is this Josh's work? Just tell me. <laughs> no, no. Is it Josh's work? I, I, I didn't do anything. I'm going to watch the review. Remember, you're on camera. You're going to go over and do the thing. You did. Tell the no, truth. No, I did. I did. He did exactly what he said. I said, I said, Baldwin doesn't like the quotes. Update the open, and he said, "I'll get you the open." <laughs> I like Whoa! I gotta go back. Yeah. I'm gonna sit back so I can watch. It. And, and, like and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I have in front of multiple people asked you what you wanted in the open, and you kind of just brushed me off. I said that. I want to see. I want to see videotape of that. Where, where <laughs> I don't see security. Video camera. <laughs> where I ever said to you. Am I am I in the wrong hole? There's a, que- there's a question I've never asked before. No, you're plugged in. Your headphones are plugged in, right? I know. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's clarify that immediately. Because mm. oh, as soon as the I, FCC, as, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as I said something controversial, you said exactly, a better. Exactly. Like, Bruce Arians, former Arizona Cardinals coach. Now I want you to try to try to digest this. Now, Alabama coach Nick Saban covets the Giants' coaching job. Arians, during a Fox Sports interview, says it would not be a surprise if Saban sought to return to the NFL. Saban has interest in only one 
particular job. And when they asked him, of course, he said, that's the New York Giants. Why? Arians went on to say, because when we grew up, they were the thing. Is there a possibility that Nick Saban, you know, where he's won national title away now from setting the all-time record over after tying Bear Bryant with an amazing finish against Georgia this year, is there a possibility he goes to the Giants? No. Forget about the Giants. Is there a possibility he would actually do that? He'd have to be an idiot to leave Alabama. Josh? Is there an NFL job that's going to pay him what Alabama pays him? Well, no, 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 no. He's a, he's a, over ele- over eleven million dollars. He was paid, but but he, here's the thing about it that I, I you know since this story broke and we started discussing it a little bit and I started writing out what I could find out about him um, because obviously it's all speculation. But but here is the thing: when you've climbed McKinley and then you climb Kilimanjaro and then you you know. Is that as a child, when you look at the New York Yankees, you know, particularly a New York kid too, or if you're a Chicago kid, and you have an opportunity to go from a team to play for the Cubs, you know what I mean? So I wonder if it isn't what's left for him to prove at Alabama, and does he want to say to himself at, what, he's 65 maybe? So what does he want? Does, does he want to coach the New York Giants? I mean, that would be the only thing I could see because he certainly doesn't need the money, and and and. You know, does he want to see what would happen? Because he he was he was fifteen and seventeen, I think, as a Miami Dolphins coach. So he had a losing record. Um, you know, does he want to does he want to see what it's like to climb Everest? Yeah, but does he want his? We were talking about this with Tom Brady last week. Does he want his legacy to be ended with something that he knows isn't that could potentially hurt his legacy? Uh, okay, so you you say that now. If you're Joe Paterno and you leave amid a terrible scandal that went on, then I think that you're worried about whether or not that tarnishes your legacy. Do you really think that if he went and lost 16 games with the Giants, that's going to tarnish his five national title legacy? Yeah. Yeah, I think what I think what have you done lately is kind yeah. of the thing you say. Really? Yeah, I do. Oh my gosh, I can't, uh, you know. And look at the team he's got coming, the quarterback. He's look got at Bear Bryant at the end of his career. They weren't great. They weren't great. I, I would I would stay. If Bear Bryant went to the NFL in the last three years of his career and coached Detroit and had you know four wins and twelve losses, would anyone not call him Bear Bryant the great one of the greatest? Really, you think that? Yeah, I guess you're right. Nobody thinks of Michael Jordan, the Washington Wizard. Right, right. <laughs> well, I well, well, no one thinks about his stellar baseball career as a Baron either. You know, I mean, you kind of that this was a little asterisk that went on there. Nick he? Saban is 66 years old. If he was to go to the Giants, it's like he's starting new. He has to rebuild the thing by the time he gets a team that would have a a, a champ a, a, a super bowl contention it'd be what 70 years old at this point he could just leave on top the quarterback position at alabama is better right now than the, <laughs> the Giants. well that yeah. was that was interesting they said to arians they said could he walk away from this freshman quarterback after what he just did and i thought to myself he may take him with him <laughs> he, may, he may show up with giants camp with this guy do we have news on uh you were looking up what, what, the, the Arian story was basically a troll job. I mean, he was like, he was just talking out of his ass. He was oh, just really? kind of making it up. Yeah. I mean, the Patricia thing is pretty. He was winging it. He was just winging it. Yeah. yeah. But you got to make that call if you're an NFL team, right? To somebody. Somebody's yeah. got to call Saban. And you got to kick the tires on Belichick, too, right? I know it's not, I don't know if it's legal. I but think it's more likely that you're going to see, uh, you know. Uh, Unfortunately, after years and years, and this is just in the movie business, but but I think business in general, and I think you guys have lots of experience doing radio and other and other entrepreneurial things. 
there is posturing that goes on. Mm-hmm. There is stuff that's, that sets the table and things that we do. And it looks like you're over here doing something when you're really trying to set something up down the road or whatever you're, you're really doing. And I believe in my heart of hearts, this whole Belichick thing with Brady, that Belichick was, was really upset about the fact that Brady went ahead and went to craft. Belichick wanted to trade Brady. He yeah. w- for, for, yeah. for the overall look of what the New England Patriots are going to have in the in the twilight of Belichick's career, Tom Brady really how many more years and he's one injury away from he's not a guy that if he got hurt or, or sustained a bad knee injury with one hit that's going to say I'm going to take all season next year to get ready to come back at 42 or 43. That's just not going to happen. So, you know, when they let Garoppolo go that was against Belichick's wishes. I, that's probably one of the first times in quite some time that that has ever occurred for him as as a coach. Mm-hmm. I think he has a big say in what happens up there. And when Krafts trumped him, I think he really did. I would not be surprised if they made a run, the Giants at Belichick. Well, I don't know that you can. I don't think it, you can. Without, there's collusion laws in the NFL, but... I You're would, really kidding I, me, right? I would sneak it. I would. You're really kidding it. me, right? Well, yeah, you can't talk to a coach that's working you, for someone. And so you really think that doesn't take place? Well, I'm sure it does. And I oh, think of they're course stu- it does. I think they're stupid if they don't collude. Of course it does. <laughs> there, there's, you know, the guy who's, who's, uh, um, you know, it's like the alumni association with college sports. There's a guy who comes up and he was, he's your alumni father. Mm-hmm. So if you're a starting football player, even at Syracuse, they probably have an alumni association and an alumni fathering program where you, you're given this mentor and this guy who's going to guide you. Now, he's a a successful businessman now and he's doing quite well and he's a former player at Syracuse and and a you know fraternity guy and blah blah and he takes you to dinner and you 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 go spend some time with him and blah. now I'm not saying this happens at Syracuse but there have been reports at other universities mm-hmm. that there's money that's exchanged hands or cars or help to families and stuff which we all know these things have happened and people have been busted for doing it and so on but that's not within the control of a coaching staff or the administration or the co- or the university itself there are people that do things and persuade athletes to go to different schools when they're recruiting and so on that are ter- that are deemed illegal. And so with that said, if you don't believe that some guy who knows the Mara family wouldn't go up to New England and sit down with Belichick and say, a little bird told me, mm. you know, I mean, a little bird told me that there's 8 million reasons why you should, you know, this is the number they're willing to pay. But of course that goes on. Do you think that, like Paulie just said, do you think that that call is made to, let's go back to the Nick Saban thing, anytime an NFL job opens, even if they know he's going to, they just call and say, hey, yeah. we know you're private into it, but which, just so you know. Which, which, which takes us into a later, a later segment, which do we want to break and then we'll come back and talk about that, this? Because yeah. I've got I've to tell you, this whole Gruden thing has gotten so blown out of proportion and is exactly on point with what you're talking about, Josh. Yes, those conversations take place, and it's ridiculous to think. And I'm going to I'm going to prove to you why that the Rooney rule is stupid. It's stupid. Right after this break. Saturday, the Orange take on the Florida State Seminoles. Pre-game at 12:30. Tip off at two on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. The amazing Del Lago Resort and Casino, which 
Uh, I think we have to get out there as a team. Sure. Yes. I think, I think we need to talk to the great Jason Klug. I think we have to figure out either an event or something that's coming up there, and we need to do a live show, maybe like a marathon show. I have a gambling problem. Do you have a gambling problem? Yeah, if I get up five bucks, I quit, and I run out of the casino. <laughs> that's perfect. Well, we're going to limit your gambling ability, but you know, what if we did a, a like a, a marathon, your show in the morning, and we just went all, all day long? Let's go nuts. We'll bump I mean, everybody. That I would love. I'd Let's love bump that. everybody. Let's bump everybody. Everybody's out of there. Everyone's out. out. Let me give you the information so you guys can get involved on this topic, because it's going to be a hot one. 315-288-0644 is the text line. That is 288-0644. Of course, the phones are open right here, 437-7644. And this is the Daniel Baldwin Show, brought to you by Liverpool Pool and Spa. Liverpool Pool and Spa. I got in big trouble with the wife when I said we're going to put a hot tub in here and put little yes. honeys in it. Big trouble. Yeah, she didn't like it at all. I told her it was all Paulie's idea. <laughs> Are you going to tell them later in the show about uh, the Super Bowl party as well, the discussion? Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about what happened with the Super Bowl party. We're going to talk about it all today, but let's stay on subject for one second. So let me tell you in my career what what this reminded me of. I get called up, and I get called up by the only time in my career I've been thrown on an audition. Never. I'm usually like steel when I get in there. And my agent calls me up and says, Steven Spielberg has requested you to come in and read for the lead in Jurassic Park this movie they're making about these dinosaurs. Now, it had all been known in Hollywood that they already spent like $38 million on the, on the, on the dinosaurs already, mechanical moving things. And there was going to be this blockbuster. And I'm thinking, why would Steven Spielberg ask to see me on this movie? Sure. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, you know, yeah, they have conversations in Hollywood saying we can get Harrison Ford, Robert De Niro, or Daniel Baldwin. To play the lead. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. you're in that same group, yeah, buddy. Sorry, Don't sorry, undersell sorry. yourself. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that that conversation does not take place. <laughs> and I'm comfortable with knowing that I'm probably the assistant to the next guy, the fourth, fifth lead, you know, in those types of movies is the best, you know, I've gotten in my career. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm a good actor. I'm pretty confident in what I can do. But those conversations don't take place. So when I get in to read for Spielberg, I walk into Amblin Studios and it's this big, long, you know, like you'd see in a movie conference, they were like 30 chairs on it. And he's all the way at the end. And I've never met him before. So I walk down there. I sit down. He goes, did you get a chance to read the book? I said, I read it twice. He said, are you ready to read for this? And I said, uh, I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I've got it memorized and everything. I said, I do have to ask you a question though. What am I doing here? And he said, I, 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 I beg your pardon. I said, why am I here? I go, why would, you know, it's rumored you've already spent $38 million on the dinosaurs. I'm having a hard time believing that Warner Brothers, you know, or whatever is going to say, yeah, get Daniel Baldwin. He's our guy. <laughs> you know? You know, so so what the, what's the story? And he said, well, you did a Western called Ned Blessing His Life and Times. He said, and, and unbeknownst to you, obviously, I tried to buy that, the guy who wrote the screenplay for Lonesome Dove, Bill Whitliff, wrote this this sprawling Western called Ned Blessing, and I ended up playing Ned. And he said, I wanted to buy that, and for over two decades, I tried to purchase this to do as a series, as my next Indiana Jones. So logically, when it did air, I was home and I wanted to watch it. He said, and I think you're going to be the next Gary Cooper. I think that your subtlety in this this film and blah, blah. So I was that big a fan of your work in Ned Blessing. He goes, and by the way, I'm Steven Spielberg. If I tell Warner Brothers I want you to play the lead, I'm pretty sure they're going to let me pick who I want. And I went, well, good point. Uh-huh. So now I'm sitting there going, Steven Spielberg just said that I'm going to be the next Gary Cooper. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I suddenly became Larry. You yeah. Know, I, there was firmness. Yeah, very, very right. I, I, was, I, was, I was strong. <laughs> so so, so I, I, I get start to read it with him. I get like three quarters of a page down and, I, and I'm blubbering. You know, I, I looked at him. I said, Steven, do you mind if I go back out? 
and I sit down, you know, and, and I and I refocus. I'm a little off right now. And he goes, no, man, go ahead, you know. And I walked back out. I walk out. There's Ed Harris. There's my brother, Billy. Um, and so after I did the reading, I did a really good job. And they came back and they said, if it's 40 to 45, it's Billy Baldwin. If it's 45 to 50, it's Daniel Baldwin or whatever it was. And then Ed Harris or Sam Neill. And obviously they went older. They picked Sam Neill. The rest is history. I'm on ESPN radio. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but the point of it was Steven Spielberg was going to pick whoever he wanted. He's Steven Spielberg. So if you're the owner of the Oakland Raiders and why I'm going to tie this in is that there's a report out now that they're going to fine the Oakland Raiders $1 million and take away a first round draft pick because they picked John Gruden and breached what they call the Rooney rule that they had to interview multiple minorities to take the, and they, and they, and they did do the interviews, but did they really do it with any seriousness that they had the intention of? And I don't understand this. If you know what draft pick you want to pick and you know what guy you're whining and dining, just like if you know what girl you want to marry, just like, you have a right to make those decisions. How can you sanction a team that went through the process and, they, and they've decided to pick the guy that they want to do the dance with? I don't understand it. And how are they saying that you did, yeah, you followed the rule, but you didn't really follow the rule? Right, right. They followed the rule. Right. They, they did the interviews. What do you got? I, I, I just, I, if I was being interviewed when it was leaked weeks ago that they wanted Gruden, I'd be... Why? Like exactly what you did. Why am I here right now? Like, <laughs> you know, am I just getting a free lunch? Yeah. And, and, and you bring up a good point. So if you're an African American or an Asian or whatever, whatever you know, the minorities were that went in there and interviewed for this job, when you know they want Gruden, so are you the backup guy, or or was there a legitimate opportunity if someone had walked in there, no matter what their race, creed, color, religion, whatever it was, that they wowed them so much? The answer to that question is no. They wanted Gruden. Gruden already coached the Raiders. Before. So how do you turn around and sanction a team that went through the process that they had to do and postured because you made them do it when they could have easily saved these men that embarrassment and said, we want Gruden? I think the Rooney rule is ridiculous. They, I, I also think the Raiders didn't help in groveling. Like they were very much, they made it abundantly clear before they interviewed anybody that Gruden was, you know, just maybe keep your lips yeah, closed be cool a little about bit. it yeah. for a minute. You know, where this is what we're yeah, going to do. But, 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 you know, again, if you're the owner, where does this end? Where, where, here's the question. Where does it end? At what point can the NFL tell people what books they're supposed to read? Or, or at what point can they tell them what religion they're allowed to be? Or Where does it end? Where's the line? Why doesn't the Rooney Rule, when they, when they do this, like you meet with these guys, you say, listen, we've got some ideas for the head coach, but we do have some openings as you know, defense co- defensive coordinator or, or, or offensive coordinator. Maybe we could talk to you about that. Like, is there is that wrong? No, because that's now. Now this is where you get into what Daniel's saying. The coach is going to hire who he Gruden's wants pick to his hire. Staff. Right. So right. I don't know. But what does that meeting look like? If you're the guys that are in there, Paulie brings up a good point. If you're the guys that are in there, do they open the door up and they go, "Tommy, how you doing? Nice seeing you." Again. And, they yeah. just, and they just shut the door. They yeah. didn't bring the guy in to talk to him. Where do you see yourself in five years? Because it ain't going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> or, or or Gruden was in the room going, "How are you?" Or if just there's just like the him. standard Asian guy that gets free lunches from every NFL. <laughs> right. He's like, "Hey, what's up?" How are you doing? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we doing walked, this again? They walked out and they found some African American guy walking over. You want an interview? Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> <here. laughs> that's terrible. Want to grab a lunch? We just got to talk to you for a minute. How do you feel about tacos? Come no, on. I think that's so stupid and offensive. How do you feel about John Gruden? Tell us. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys like? He's really going to be good, isn't well, he? Well, well, the concern that I have about it is, is, is honestly, at what point? Where does it end? You know that that that, that again that. You know, 
the, the whole kneeling thing comes to mind. The league has the right. Jerry Jones has, was smart enough, in my opinion, to how he sidestepped the issue of kneeling. He said, I didn't say you couldn't kneel. I said, if you kneel, you're not playing for the Dallas Cowboys. And as the owner of the Cowboys, he had the right to say that. He did not have the right to say, because of First Amendment and other expressive laws that we have, that you cannot kneel. So he was smart how he did it. Because believe me, if you're a guy that's that's getting paid you know, half a million, a million dollars a year, and you're wondering about your your local car ads you're going to get and blah, blah. you want to play in that game so that you become more viable and you can shine and you can make that subsidiary income that comes from being a starter in the NFL so he they know that which is why I always said on this show listen I'm going to believe in a guy in, in, in a Kaepernick situation when he says I'm not going to play if this doesn't change. Not that I'm going to kneel during a national anthem. I've decided not to play. I've always said it. Go see a movie. It was a, it was a very small movie called Amazing Grace and Chuck. And it was an incredible movie. Alex English is in it. Uh, um, there's a, 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 a lot of really great. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. And it's about a little boy who gets to visit a nuclear silo with his Cub Scout troop or something. And his dad works for NORAD. And they're in Colorado and he sees what a silo looks like. And this general saying, you know, we push the button and incinerate an entire city. And blah. And the little boy looks at it and he's, he starts having these terrible dreams when he goes home. And he's about to pitch in the All-Star game as a nine-year-old. And on the mound, he takes the ball and he looks at his coach. He goes, I can't play. I'm not going to play anymore. And, and he goes, I, I just think it's wrong that we're building these bombs. I think it's a terrible thing, and it's the only thing I have, the only power I have, is to say I'm not going to play in this game as my form of protest. And Alex English plays the greatest player in, in the National Basketball Association, and he turns around and he reads the story about this kid, and he goes, you know what? I think it's... And suddenly all of these athletes in all these different sports join in and decide not to play in, 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 their, in their respective sports. Well, that would gain my respect to somebody as opposed to kneeling during a national anthem. Put your money where your mouth is. Sit out. Let's go to break. We'll come back. Did you miss In the Booth with Matt Park? Brendan Amelius. It's one thing to watch a team go out there, not give any effort, get blown out. I don't see it with this team. I think they're playing with energy. They're making some young mistakes. This team is a couple fluky, goofy plays away from having 14 wins. Brendan, that was a very composed, rational phone call. That has uh, no place in, in this market. Uh, just joking, of course. In the Booth, two to three weekdays. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. And now, the mighty Del Lago Resort and Casino with the great Jason Clue. You know, I throw a lot of love out to Jason. I know you do. I do. The guy, he's a machine out there. And he's right up your alley because they do all the concerts. We got to get our marathon going. I know. I'm telling you, that Our Lady Peace show I saw that was unbelievable. Combination uh, marathon, like day-long musical marathon poker tournament. Wow! What if we did a poker tournament down on the first level Mm -hmm. while the bands were playing? Never been done before. Polly's into it. I love poker. Do you love poker? I love poker. Can you play? Yeah, badly. That was my old man golf joke. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I love to play. I'd be happy to have you teach me how to play. All right, I would do that. You know how to play poker? No. Oh, I love. Oh, poker. you liar! Look at his face. <laughs> we. Uh, oh, what is it? What do these do with these cards? What do they do with all those? Yeah. We had a poker tournament with one of our other stations, and you know, we all went out and played at the at a casino. Yeah, we did. We did a casino one. Uh, Why don't we have a poker night with us? What are we? The, 
This is, that doesn't happen? Is this like odd we couple? Just, <laughs> he and I were just talking about this, how, how you think that we all hang out here, but we don't. We go home and go to bed. <laughs> you can go home and go to bed, but can't we do like a Saturday night at my house and like eight of us and we, we feast and we oh, eat? Do some, we know I'll eight people? <laughs> I don't even know if I know it. We, we got three here. Three. I can get a couple Larry? of schleps to come over my right. house. Is Larry gonna? He won't Larry go anywhere. Larry won't. Here's go. a question for you that, that I'll ask: Who's like the most famous person you hang out with on the regular? Like, if you had a poker game, is there like a famous guy that would come play poker with you at the well, drop I of a played, hat? I played. I played in the in the greatest. For years, I played Norby Walters. Was a, uh, a he was in management and he was in in records and he had all these bands, uh, uh, you know, like Cool in the Gang. He had all all these 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 hip bands back in uh, in the Motown era in the seventies. And so Norby has the most famous rotation every Wednesday night at his place. He's probably got six hundred. You know, names, really, really famous people. Like, I'm nobody, yeah. you know? And so I got in because Richard Belzer, I was on Homicide, and he said, do you want to play in this poker game? Norby asked me if I had anybody else. I ran your name by him, and he said yes. And I get there, and it's Rodney Dangerfield, Shecky Green, uh, Milton Burl, me, Belzer, Norby, uh, who else was there? Did you there? say Pryor was one of these? Pryor. Oh. Pryor was there the first time I ever played. So I'm at the table, and, and I'm looking around me going, and that's Richard Pryor, like, like holy. That crap. had to be the greatest conversation. Oh my god! Ever. So I'm gonna, off the air. I'm going to tell you the greatest story. <laughs> that I can't say. Was he still it. like healthy enough to talk? Like, wait. yeah, yeah. He knew what time it yeah, was. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, and so I, you know, and 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 since then I've played with, you know, Rod Steiger. You know, I mean, guys, actors that were just actors, actors. You know, and you know, and and Annette Funicello. Nice. You know, and like all these like bizarre. You know, he had he had these old school Frankie Valley. You know, he had these great singers like it yeah he, it, it was it was it was an amazing so you got game. in once and you could come back again well, yeah then then he would then he would call oh, me nice, you know you gotta wait till nice. you get called where, where you get so suddenly i i get called multiple times and then i'd show the bad thing was during that era you know i was doing seven eight movies a year so i was never home you know now i limit myself because i have custody of my kids that like for instance i'm not going to do the show tomorrow because i've got a one day shoot in redding california on this movie so i've i've left it so that i can be with my children and be a presence in their life every day <laughs> that i that i go back and forth and do it so but do but but having our own I know, but just think now you'll be playing with me. Isn't that a, such a I bummer know. to you that you're going to be playing with Josh, me, Joe Salzone? <laughs> it's no, like, what's wrong with it? We're playing cards. I know, but we're, you were we're, playing we're, with Milton Berle and Richard Pryor, and now you're playing with us. Do you yeah. think that's so you're saying it's a step down? Is oh, it's a huge step down. We're D-celebrities in central New York. <laughs> do, you know, do you know that playing with those guys, the funniest thing about it, it was like a $40 buy-in you could buy one more time for 20 It was like, that's it was, it? That's yeah, it, it was yeah. really low. We, that's awesome. We, we just kept it about the cards and the story. But I just sat there and listened to the stories. Yeah. The stories were amazing. Rodney Dangerfield, you know, what I mean, and listening to Rodney talk about what it was like when he first started, and you, and he's, you know, everything is f this, f that, and blah, blah, and he's talking about how you couldn't say any of that, and and trying to say, you know, tell jokes in a clean way on Carson, and mm -hmm. and how they had the the guys from from uh, uh, um, uh, the regulators that were allow you to, you know, standards and practice, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd be looking at you going, no, you cannot talk about that, you know. But who's you, the who's the biggest hand you ever seen play? Can you say? Biggest mo money, like the biggest money hand you've ever seen played by like a athlete or something. I used, I bet Charles Barkley used to. Play I played big. a lot with Barkley. And I won the 
you, you know Nunez, the guy who played uh, um, what was the basketball movie where the guy played a um, a, um, a, a female? He was an NBA player and he played in the WNBA. Juana Man. Juana Man. <laughs> so Nunez and I come down to the final table for uh, the. Con- I hate that I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> I hate yeah. that I knew that. Go it, ahead. it was it was uh, uh, Bob Redford's uh, um, f- uh, film festival in. Uh, um, uh, God, what the hell is it called? Sundance. Mm-hmm. So it was the final. It was me and Nunez and this big celebrity thing for two days. It gets down to us, and it was, I think, a hundred fifty thousand first prize. And so oh. it's me and he and I. And I go, I'm the big blind, and I've got a ten seven of diamonds. And he doesn't raise, so of course I say call, and it flops ten ten seven. <laughs> so I look and I go, I've got a full house <laughs> on the flop. So I don't say a word, right? And he goes. I raised, but and I went, okay, I call. And then he turned around, and then the next hand came up. Like, and it wouldn't have mattered what yeah, happened, you know, yeah. really, unless he pulls a straight flush or whatever. Uh, so then I put the accelerator on. He raises, I raise again, and he goes all in, <laughs> and this is it. And I flop over a crappy 10-7 to match the four with a full house. And he goes, are you kidding me, man? You have a 10-7? He goes, who goes in with a 10-7? I go, you didn't. I would have folded if he raised. Yeah. But he didn't raise on the big blind, and, and I was already in. So I happened to get the flop. That's uh, amazing. But that was for 150000 for me personally, yeah, uh, and that went to my mom's fund. That that all all got donated. We but, have uh, a guy who works here who saw uh, Jordan playing poker one night in uh-huh. one of those like roped off areas. Right, yeah, I've played with. And Michael I think he before. was he was doing like ten grand a hand. Yeah, doing two like playing two spots. No, that's not the most I ever saw. The most I ever saw was during the making of Harley Davidson the Marlboro Man. It's me, Mickey Rourke, and Don Johnson, and I've never played back rack before. Now, back rack is a is a two card fast game, yeah. uh, and you and you bet on the player or the bank, and so the guy does. You know, they usually have this European guy who goes, and yeah. he slides you the money. And it's everything. the James so, Bond game. They play it in like the James Bond, right? Movie. So, so we're doing a jump. Um, Bobby Brown is the biggest, most famous at the time, high jump guy. So we're, we're, Mickey and Don are running for me, shooting at them, and they're going to jump off the top of the Mirage Hotel. And this guy actually gets an airbag down there, puts their outfit on, and jumps off the top of the rush, which is like 22 stories or whatever it was. So he's got these wind machines up there that if it's more than 2.5 miles an hour, he can't jump. 2.5 to 2, he jumps outside the bag and lets the wind blow him back in. Uh-uh. You know, I mean, crazy stuff, right? So we got to the railing, and we looked down, and we went... And I kid you not, it was smaller than your pinky fingernail, what it looked like. I mean, it was tiny, and I went... You're going to jump off? He goes, yeah, man, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. So they're waiting for the wind because it's like four miles an hour. And, yeah. and so they take us into the Mirage and we sit down. So we're playing back rack in the VIP roped off. I got like $350 worth of per diem, right? <laughs> so they're letting me play even though in the VIP, the high high players, you got to be playing like 200 a hand or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, don't worry about it. So Mickey and Don draw chips and they're 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 just going head and head to see you know who's bigger than the other and blah, blah, blah and all this mono mono stuff. Well, I get on a little bit of a roll, you know, and I really don't know what I'm doing. It's it's yellow for the for the bank and red for the player, and I go, I'm going to try the red one, you know, <laughs> and I get two reds in a row, and then I pull them off, and I wouldn't play a hand, and I go a bigger stack, so I get up to like, um, I don't know, maybe a couple grand I had, you know, mm-hmm. which was a lot for having only three hundred bucks, and yeah. I'm not a big player. Well, this guy comes and and Steve Wynn, the owner of the Mirage, says, "Hey, uh, this is uh, so and so, some Asian name, and this old old guy, and he's got a chart, and he's charting each hand, and they bring out this box, and it's a wood, beautiful grain, hand etched box, and they flip it open. The inside is velvet. Now I've played a lot of cards. I've been around watching celebrities much bigger than me 
play for a lot of money, you know, millions of dollars, yeah. you know. And so I look at this box, and they pull out these wafer thin, and they're probably as big as like, uh, you know, two silver dollars, and they're solid gold chips. Now, back rack, you can play three hands in a minute. Yeah. I mean, it's faster than blackjack. So this guy puts one of these down and looked at it. And of course, I look over at Mickey. You know, I, I didn't know Don very well, but Mickey and I were, he was my boy. You know, so I look at him and I go, dude, what is the gold chip thing? He goes, I don't know, but it's worth a lot of money. I go, yeah. I go, 50? He goes, I think 100. I go, 100,000 a hand? And he goes, I think they're 100,000 a hand. They were $100,000 special chips. Now, this is not this is the, not the best part of the story. So this guy goes through a box of these. Now, I didn't count how many were in them, but there had to be 50 of them in there. You know what I mean? It was, there was a lot of them. <laughs> and he's dropping them down every hand, and he's getting waxed, you know? <laughs> so they bring another box out. They have a seal on it. They open it up the whole bit. So, and I don't know whether this goes on privately because he's doing this with us, you know, you know, or this is something they normally do or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway... So then we turn around and we go, um, the next day we're at a brunch. And evidently, this guy is like the Suzuki Empire. He's Suzuki Motorcycle. Yeah, no, he is Suzuki, em- right. Emperor Suzuki or yeah. Emperor Honda or whatever <laughs> yeah. he was, right? And he turns around and he says to, uh, to win, he says, how much did you pay for Shadow Creek, which is the most exclusive golf course in all the world, when only lets a certain amount of guys go out there and play? Uh, and he says, you know, um, it's it's not for sale. He says, no, I don't, I don't want to buy the, the golf course. He said, I want to be able to have 100 memberships to only Japanese citizens. He said, and I'll give you, let me ask you again, how much was Shadow Creek? And he says, I paid, you know, and I'm going to make up the number, you know, $29 million to to make the course. He says, okay. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $50 million for it. He had lost $13 million playing back rack that night. And he said, that's $29 million for the course, plus the $13 million that, that I lost. Mm-hmm. He said, so now we're at uh, thirty-nine forty-three. He goes, and I'll give you the other $7 million just on top of that. He goes, but now I get to write off the entire fifty uh, as an investment in the golf course. He goes, and I don't even want to own it. I just want 100 memberships. He goes, most of the guys that have a membership for me of these hundred will never come to the United States and never play it, but they'll be able to say they're members of Shadow Creek. So that night at dinner, the assistant guy comes in. He goes, can you believe this dude? Can you believe what he did? He sold $101 million memberships to his friends and made $50 million on the deal. Wow. I said, I want to have a day like that where I could just turn around and call my boys up and make 50 mil on memberships, he made fifty mil, but that's why they're where they are. That's but this dude lost thirteen million in one night. That's the most I've ever even that's heard of. An unbelievable story. Now Thirteen let me minutes. put this in perspective. Tell me, that's a story you can tell. Josh and I will be like, I got to go to Wegmans tomorrow and pick up some bread. And then I can't grocery shop again for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. We'll go, we're going to have free bread. We're going to have a bread line for you. I'm not trying to brag, Daniel, but one time I played craps and won 60 bucks. So lots if, are going on. I, I like it. I, I like legit, it. if I get up 20 bucks, I'm out. I am out. Yeah. I run and say, take that casino. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right, we got to hit the break. Come back. Let's this is it. Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio, Syracuse. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. Hey, now. If you're right. watching the Facebook Live video, it looks like we were the most, like, we were studying chemistry in here. Yeah, we were. During the commercial break. Here, here's what we were doing. So I dug up this story that just recently came out. Toronto Furies hockey player Jessica Platt 
has come out as transgender on Thursday, posting on social media that she hopes to inspire others. Now, what we don't really understand yet, and we can't seem to... We, we've researched images. Dude, we we've called Dr. Cut Your Junk Off. <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we're trying to... Was Jessica Platt a man who has either gone through a surgical change or just identified herself as a woman and became Jessica Platt in his playing? So in other words... What would happen if Bruce Jenner decided to change to Caitlyn right after the Olympics and then go back to the Olympics as a woman? Is that what we're dealing with here? Or are we dealing with a woman who has all of the physical attributes of a woman and has decided to identify as a man and therefore Canada has allowed her to play? So I'm not sure, but I do have a definite opinion on this. Yeah. If this was a man... Even with Dr. Kutcher-Junkoff involved, <laughs> um, if that's the case, how do you let this person play against women? And I'm not degrading anything to do with women, but let's face it. A man's frame is a little bigger, and you know, muscle-wise, they're, they're definitely going to be able to, because of the frame and the bone structure being bigger, you know, that, that's his... I'm so, I'm so Someone tongue-tied. Can get hurt. Someone can get hurt. From, I think the... I think Paulie and I are on the same page in that. Okay, tell me. We think Jessica is a woman, was born a woman, just now identifies as male, but will continue to play in the women's league, right? Yes. Because there's, okay. there's someone named Harrison Brown who did right. the same thing. Right, okay, so 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 Harrison Brown is, is a woman who has decided that... Um, so, so does this person have a... a, a, a saw a, Dr. Edger junk on? <laughs> I don't know. I think that they just identify as a man so, so, okay. now. Okay, well, there's a, but, but there's a big difference between the two. If somebody is more uh, um, prone to, to identify with the male side of themselves, that's way different than if they actually were a man or, uh, and, and decided that they're identifying as a female. So I can't get an answer to this. None uh, of us can. But, the but, Google but, searches I've made on this computer put me on every watch list. But but why would there be a question then if this person was a woman and identifies as a man whether the league would let them play? Well, it depends. See, I, this is I don't know. Yeah, I identify myself. So does that mean that they're taking hormones to to be you know, and they're going through biochemical changes? The more uh, photos I look at, man, I don't know what I don't know. I, what I it is. think this was a man who now, whether they're surgically uh, um, changed or or not, this was a man who is now. Become a woman. More, what, more than a woman. Would she need to have a physical more to play? More than a woman. Like someone would need to give her a physical, right? To, to play in the league? Yeah, well, uh, well, yes, but but if you're, again, if you go see Dr. Cutch Junk off <laughs> and you have the surgery, it's called I mean, a, a... that's that's a man, baby. That's a that's man! That's a man, baby! That's a man! The debate will continue. That's a man. That's Dr. Cutch Junk off. <laughs> you gotta go in. Would you? you you have a you have you have what's called you have what's called a penectomy. Yes, I've watched the surgery on TV. Oh, you it's, have too much it, free time. It's frightening. It's frightening. That's gonna do it for us. We'll hand it over to Brent Axe. Oh, uh, we're going to Brent Axe right off of penectomy. Yeah, let's see if we can follow <laughs> that. It's a man, baby. This is Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio, Syracuse.